Once in a while in our lives, someone does something so special for us that we cannot think of enough ways to express our thanks. But sometimes, after we've done any number of nice things for the person to whom we feel a debt of gratitude, the person will say, look, you've done enough now to say thanks to me. In fact, you've done more than enough. More than enough. That phrase describes the work of Jesus on the cross, too. And today on Groundwork, we'll look at the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And Daryl, this is now Program 5 in our seven-part series uh, for the season of Lent, in which we've been meditating on the cross of Christ. And so far, we've looked at the big question of why Jesus had to die on a cross. We looked at the curse of the cross, the shame of the cross, the paradox of the cross in bringing life from death, and now today, the sufficiency of the cross. We really want to look into today why it's important to understand that Jesus paid for everything that we have done, past, present, and future. And I think it's going to be exciting to talk about today, Scott. And it does remind me of an old song many of us may know. Uh, The chorus goes like this, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And that's uh, really what we want to talk about. Uh, We could think of another song, too, uh, the Keith Getty song that's uh, one of the most popular new hymns in the world, In Christ Alone. And that alone part is the key. Alone. The fact that it's Christ's work that completely takes care of all these things is really what blesses me, Scott. It's important for us to know that it's not about me dotting my I's or crossing my T's. It's not about me getting it perfect or getting it right. But because of what Christ did, that actually brings us through and helps us to have a healthy relationship with God. And one more hymn while we're doing a kind of greatest uh, length of song hits here. Uh, when I survey the wondrous cross, there's that line, I pour contempt on all my pride. Oh, yes. In other words, I could never save myself. I can even help myself get saved. Forget it. That would be a prideful way to think. So our, I pour contempt on all my pride. I got nothing to be proud of because, indeed, Jesus did it all. It's beautifully humbling, isn't it? Yep. It reminds us of our place that actually needed rescuing. Like we needed that. Right. And there's not anything that I can do in order to improve that situation. And it's really humbling for us to remember, but it also sets us free from a little bit of self-righteousness. I won't be prideful. I won't be arrogant. I won't think I'm better than that other person if I remember where my help comes from. Exactly. Isaiah 53, uh, we've looked at uh, parts of this and other parts uh, of this uh, series and other shows on Groundwork. Well-known passage, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And now this part, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Again, Jesus paid it all. So not just the ones who were nice on one day and not just half of the people, but every single person their iniquity of us all. And that is what we need to make sure we understand. Everybody's included in that. And you'd think we wouldn't forget that, right? I mean, that's just kind of straight up Christian orthodoxy has been for a couple thousand years now that Jesus paid the full debt to forgive our every sin. We know that. You'd think we'd never forget it. But Daryl, I think sometimes on a practical basis, day-to-day basis, sometimes we kind of do forget. I think the Christian living section has made a living off of this 
uh, because there's a lot of how-to books there. Right. And at self-improvement, spiritually speaking, self-improvement books. And we like to go to that section and grab a book and say, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to do it. I just need to follow these steps, and I'm helping out the whole salvation situation. I know we don't always think that way, but sometimes it can get subconsciously put in my mind that I'm helping God out somehow. Yeah. I'm actually improving my situation, and I'm actually helping to pay some of the debt of sin that I owed. But that's not actually possible, is it? You know, you're right, Daryl. It is kind of deep in our cultural DNA. We love rags to riches stories and self-improvement, right. as you were just saying. And we're self-made individuals, self-made. right? I earn what I get in life. And it's hard to switch that off even when we turn back to theology. But it's been a problem all along. In fact, it goes almost all the way back to the beginning because Paul had to confront something like this in the churches in Galatia. He's helping them to understand this is where we get the justification by faith Hmm. principle, where he understands and helps us to get the idea that we are saved by grace alone and by through faith. And it's interesting how the Galatians, not just them, but many people have always thought that there's some sort of secret knowledge that they had to have. Okay, saved by grace and what else? There must be something underneath that. And so we're going to try to figure that out. But Paul was trying to help them understand that, no, it is truly the sufficiency of Christ paying for that and that we afford that salvation by the gift of faith is the reason why we have a relationship with God in the first place. Which is what Paul told the Galatians. But then we think that after he left, some other teachers came in and kind of said, well, Paul told you some of the story, but not quite the whole story. Because really, if you want to get saved, you know, maybe uh, keep the law, eat certain food. Uh, If you're a male, get circumcised because those things that you do will finish the work of Jesus. Uh N.T. Wright, great New Testament scholar, just wrote a commentary on Galatians. Uh, He has some new ideas as to why the Galatians may have uh, started to adopt some of those Jewish practices. He thinks maybe some people were trying to avoid persecution because the Jews kind of got a pass in the Roman Empire. So if the Christians in Galatia could look more like Jews, uh, maybe they wouldn't get persecuted. N.T. Wright may be correct about that, but whatever their motivation was, we all know, Daryl, as soon as we start paying more attention to what we do, eventually we think that we're getting rewarded for it or we're contributing. We're chipping something in. We're helping God out, and maybe we're helping get ourselves saved. And so we can't add to the practices of salvation to— think that they're going to actually improve our status with God. I think that in our opportunities that we have to live for God and our in our expectations, these guardrails we put around the faith, these attitudes and these traditions we put around the faith, we see it in the book of Genesis. You know, Eve says we shouldn't eat it and we shouldn't touch it right. or we're going to die. And, and God didn't actually say that, but right. she added that extra safeguard. And sometimes we put in extra safeguards, which is what these Jewish people were doing, these Judaizers were doing. They were trying to actually help make people become Jews in order to be saved. And, you know, that's not actually needed to do that. And so this is the actual challenge that I see in tradition. Sometimes it could be a bad thing. And Paul just kind of pulled his hair out when he heard about this because, well, you can tell. Here's Galatians 3. He directly assails them. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? or by believing what you heard. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Paul says, I showed you Jesus on a cross. You can't do that. I can't do that. Only Jesus could do that. 
stick with what I told you in the first place. Because when you believe that, that's when you were saved and received the Spirit. So don't start clogging up the works here by thinking you're contributing to your salvation by doing all these extra things. And Paul's pretty upset in this one. This is the only, the only epistle I see that he doesn't give a greeting. Hey, grace and yeah. peace to you. He gets he right to the it. point yep. uh, because he wants them to understand that Christ had to go through a death on the cross for us to afford this salvation. And there's no way we can achieve it in the flesh. And we want to think more about what that means and how that happens in the next segment. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. Well, as we've been saying, it's clear as day, Daryl, in the Bible, uh, that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross took care of our sin, 100%, 150%, 200%. What's less clear is that we always keep that straight in our hearts and minds. Yeah, it's true. And because... There's the part where we believe what has happened and we receive it by faith, but then we have this life to live. Right. We have to figure out what do we do from day to day, each step of actually living in the faith. And that's where it gets a little murky for us. You know, I think, Daryl, this is a common human tendency. I don't, you know, it's inevitable maybe. We tend to pay more attention to what we can see than what we can't see. I can't really see God's grace, but I can see my good deeds, right? When I'm kind to somebody or I give money to church or whatever I do, I can see that, right? Other people can see that. And so we tend to focus on what we can see, our work, and not on what we cannot see, God's grace. And interestingly, Paul tells us in Corinthians to focus on the things unseen, because <laughs> yeah. the things unseen are eternal and the things that are seen are temporary. But also I think it could be a misunderstanding of what James teaches about faith and deeds, because he says faith without deeds is dead, but those deeds are not salvific deeds. Those deeds come after the salvation in Romans. Out of gratitude, we get to live into the faith in a way that honors the sacrifice that God has done that we believe by faith. Exactly. But again, we tend to do this and it comes out in different ways, Daryl. But, you know, I think one of the ways we detect this in ourselves is if we compare ourselves to non-Christians or to neighbors in our neighborhood who don't go to church, don't believe. And so we look at us and we look at them and we say, what's the difference? Well, the difference is I go to church. They don't. They sleep in on Sundays. The difference is, you know, I don't throw wild parties with lots of drugs and alcohol. They do. Right. So I'm a better person. God surely must grade on the curve. All right. And so I come out ahead and that's why I'm saved and they're not. And again, that's just not quite the right way to look at it. The bad news with that is that it's a human comparison hmm. and humanity has never been our standard for how we should live or what we should do. But when we do that, it puffs up us. It makes us prideful. It gives us a little bit of self-righteousness, like the parable Jesus told about the guy who stood in there and he said, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the other guy's like, I'm so glad I'm not like this sinner over here. Yeah. And the, the bad news is if we compare with other humans, 
then we might come out ahead and we might get a little puffed up about it. And the other part of the bad news of that, Daryl, is that if we really think that our deeds, our work, are not being like that other person is the main thing, that's a two-edged sword because when we do mess up, that means we might get blamed for that, right? If Jesus doesn't take it all away, if it's up to me, I'd say the chances of my being saved are iffy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's no sense, you know, trumpeting our good deeds because if they count to our credit, then our bad deeds count to our debit. And that's not good news. That's not the gospel. I always end up shortchanged in that. And Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter 2. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And that last line, if you uh, let it sink in, Christ died for nothing, that's devastating if that were true, right? So Paul's saying, look, if there were any other way for humans to get saved or to save themselves or even to meet God halfway, then the Son of God would not have to have gone to hell for us and died that horrible death. He died for nothing if there was an alternative. There was no alternative. This was the only way. So don't make Christ die for nothing, Paul saying to the Galatians and to us, right? Right. Because every time you think you're chipping in something valuable, you're sort of making Christ die for nothing because God said that was the only way. We don't want to nullify his sacrifice for us. And I think Paul also picks it up again here in Romans 5 and verse 9. It says, since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we have nothing to brag about, Paul is saying. We can't go around boasting what good people we are as though that is what gets us saved, or that's what made God love us in the first place. I mean, Paul says right there, look, he loved you when you were as bad as you could be. It wasn't your goodness that attracted God to you. You know, call yourself fortunate that your badness didn't repel God utterly from you, right? Or as Paul says a little earlier in Romans, in chapter 3, verse 27, he asks kind of a rhetorical question, where then is boasting? It is excluded. So, like, any questions? (laughs) We've got nothing to brag about. It sets us free because having to be on all the time, having to dot every I and cross every T all the time, that can become tyrannical. That can become oppressive. That can become obsessive. I could obsess about that. That would actually make me obsess about what's going on in my neighbor's yard as well. Like, oh, what are they not doing? What is he not doing? What is she not doing? Well, they're not doing what I'm doing. It just becomes a comparison game. And you got to get off of that because that— will actually drive you crazy. So being able to understand that salvation comes by faith through God and that paid for everything sets us free from having to run through all the things, the rat race, if you will, to try to be righteous on our own. It never it never works. It never works. We, we could never do enough. Uh, exactly true. One quick question, though, that we can uh, uh, address briefly before we leave the segment, because a lot of people uh, say, well, okay, then the Old Testament, the law was a big deal. And Paul knew the law was a big deal when he was Saul the Pharisee, right? He did everything he could to keep the law. So why did God give us the law? Well, 
Paul addresses also this in Galatians. We're in Galatians a lot in this episode. That's fine. Galatians 3, he says so at verse 24, so the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. And now that this faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, for you all were baptized into Christ and have now clothed yourselves with Christ. So uh, the word guardian there, Daryl, in a sermon I did a while back, I said that's sort of like a babysitter. Yeah. Right. The law was our babysitter when we were young and immature, and it kept us safe. It kept us on the side of God. But eventually, you don't need a babysitter anymore. And in terms of faith, we don't need the law to babysit us anymore because Jesus has done it all for us. There are other translations of this very verse, Scott, where the word guardian is also translated as schoolmaster. So we wouldn't even know what sin was if it wasn't for the law teaching us what it was. And so the idea that we don't need to babysit it anymore because Christ has come in and done the perfect work is something that is relieving to me. And as we conclude today, we're going to turn to a couple of last questions, and it helps us to understand what we need to do in our Christian behavior today, how we can remind ourselves of grace every day. So stay tuned. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. I'm Scott Jose with Daryl Delaney, and you're listening to Groundwork. And the emphasis of this program, it's called the sufficiency of Christ, Daryl, but it just basically means Jesus paid it all. We can't save ourselves, we know that, but where we sometimes go into error is when we think we could add to our salvation or what we do contributes to our salvation. But as we've seen from multiple passages, especially from Paul and Galatians in this episode, no, it's all Jesus, period. If we do add our works in, Scott, if we do try to contribute and earn a little bit of that grace, then we actually water down the gospel. And we actually, Paul says Christ died for nothing right. if we add one of those things. And we don't want Christ's death to mean nothing. This is the only way that we can be saved. And we need to actually understand it in the right perspective. And it comes not with us comparing what we did. It doesn't come in us being more righteous than our fellow brother or sister, but exactly what Christ has done should be central. And Paul emphasized that as far back as the, the earliest days of the church, uh, Daryl, some people heard that and said, oh, so what we do means zero. So fine, who cares how we live then? Let's live it up. Uh, God will forgive us. Any, you know. And Paul addresses this in Romans 6. Uh, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin, so how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Jesus Christ and were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, in our final program in this series, Daryl, we're going to look a little bit about that and more of an Easter theme of rising with Christ. But here, Paul's main point is, you're right, of course, our deeds don't contribute to our salvation, but that doesn't mean they're not important. We're supposed to live like new people 
baptism, we often focus on the fact that the water washes away our sin. We forget the other part. We also drown. Our sinful self is supposed to drown so that a new self comes to life. So we are supposed to do good deeds. We are supposed to do good works. This is expected of baptized people. Baptized people have a different lifestyle than those who don't. We have a new life that has been given to us. So why go on doing the things that we did before when we didn't know Christ, when we actually, number one, know better. Number two, Christ has paid for those things. Mm. We don't want to continue to, quote unquote, re-crucify him with these things. We need to live into the new life. And if we have gratitude for what Christ has done, we don't want to go back to that stuff. We don't want to go back to the things we did, the things we used to say. We want to live that life and enjoy the newness that comes in that life. It's not easy but it's definitely worth it. The Holy Spirit sets up shop in our hearts. We're temples of the Holy Spirit, Paul says elsewhere. And we can see that also in John's gospel, that we are living temples now. The Holy Spirit lives in us. That's got to show up. Uh, and Paul you know, talks about this also again in Galatians, now the very last chapter of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 14. So may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. So as you just said, Daryl, baptized people are new people and they act like it. Act like it. But that leads to the question, how do we keep the right focus on what our good deeds mean? If we want to value them as the acts of baptized people, but we don't want to overvalue them to the point of thinking they're getting us saved and making God love us. How do we keep balance? I think the first thing, Scott, is to have an attitude of gratitude and thank God through prayer. So prayer, being able to say, God, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do something for someone, to be of service, to live like you lived. Thank you for your power to do that. Thank you for your ability to get that done. But if we thank God a lot, mm. then actually it will keep us in our right perspective on things. Exactly. So that's the first idea. Prayer and prayers that are saturated, dripping uh, with gratitude to God for his grace. That'll keep that in front of us. A second idea. We talked earlier, Daryl, about kind of com- what we could call downward comparisons. We compare ourselves to our unbelieving neighbors, and we think that the only difference between us is them and we live better, and we forget that the only difference between us and them is grace, right? So if we want to compare ourselves, let's stop comparing ourselves to our neighbors down the street or our coworkers. Let's compare ourselves to Jesus, right? Do an upward comparison once. Am I as good as Jesus? Am I that holy? No. (laughs) So don't compare yourself to take a superior attitude to your neighbors. Compare yourself to Jesus, not to get an inferiority complex, but to realize That's the one I'm dependent on because I'm not like him. Not yet. It's true. I was always taught that we're one prayer and one confession away from being like the person in the circumstances that we're judging. Right. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's a song, a gospel song by Kirk Franklin said, it could have been me Mm. with no clothes, no shoes, no food to eat or whatever it is. It could have been me, but by God's grace, it isn't. And so that means that we can keep the right perspective. And I think that, you know, It's important for us to remember to continue to ask God for his grace and his mercy each and every day, because if we think about how much we need, then we will be humble. And there is that Jesus prayer we've talked about in other Groundwork episodes, easy, memorable, short prayer, easy to repeat multiple times a day. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
very simple prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. If we can repeat that to ourselves often enough every day, again, we remember we're forgiven sinners and we're only forgiven because 100, 150%, 200% uh, because of the grace of God that radiates uh, from the cross of Jesus. And so we actually end where we began when we had this affirmation, this song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow. That's our thanks. And we give thanks to God for that. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. And we hope you'll join us again next time as we reflect on the cross of Jesus by studying the four stories of his crucifixion found in the Gospels. Connect with us at our website, groundworkonline.com. Share what Groundwork means to you. Make suggestions for future Groundwork programs. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Don Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob. 